Hello and welcome to the ARC Audio Book Club for the month of May 2018. This month we're looking at, or reading, Thomas Pynchon's Inherent Vice from 2009. Inherent Vice is a shaggy dog story about a hippie private investigator, Lawrence Dox Portello, living in LA at the tail end of the 1960s. One night his ex-old lady Shasta Faye comes around looking for help to help prevent the kidnapping of the billionaire land developer she's been having an affair with. This sends Doc into a world of drug-fueled conspiracies involving a cartel-slash-dental syndicate-slash-schooner called the Golden Fang, (laughs) FBI and police corruption, Nazis and reactionary anti-hippie conservatives, junkies, prostitutes, mystics, and an undead saxophonist. By the end of the novel, we're all still left wondering what has transpired. Some characters are better off than before, and others are worse. Or worse. And we we are uncomfortably left to ponder the remark that one character makes in the novel that in the end, nothing really ends. And here to talk about the book are Sherry Helberg. Hello. Amelia Bangensen. Hello. And Fran Zizek-Kabansky. Hello. Thanks for having me. So guys, um, who's read Thomas Pynchon before? I think, Sherry, you've had some experience reading. I've had some experience reading Thomas Pynchon, yes. You described it as a Pynchon phase. (laughs) A Pynchon phase, yes. So it was, I would say, in the last two years of my undergrad, I got um, completely obsessed um, reading him and tried to read kind of everything I could find. Um, And then I think this was actually the last of the Pynchon books I read. Not because, um, not, not because it made me want to stop reading Pynchon, but um, yeah, I think it was just kind of a, a nice cherry on top of the, of the Pynchon phase. But this book, as I think Macon, maybe you said before, um, it's a little bit different than Pynchon's other books. Mm, yeah. Um, it's kind of Pynchon light. Pynchon light, yeah. yeah. Has anyone else read any? No. 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 This is weird because his one of his novels from the seventy seventies um, called uh, "The Crying of Lot 49. It's about one hundred and fifty pages long, and it took me as long to read as this one because it's like just way more dense and confusing. Mm. But it's also a similar kind of shaggy dog story thing, like a mysterious thing. You got to follow some signs. People are quite confused. There's lots of sex and drugs and all those kinds of things. Um, but uh, yeah, I've not I've not even attempted Gravity's Rainbow or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, I think the names are. He's always great at names. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And they become, I think here, it especially sticks out with the uh, LA setting that the names are so catchy. They're like almost like yeah. advertisements in themselves or some oh, sort you, of the, little... The names of the characters. Names of the characters, yeah. yeah. Like, for example... I mean, like Doc Sportello or <laughs> what was her name? Trillium. Oh, yeah. Shasta Faye. Shasta Faye. Shasta Faye Hepworth, actually. Yeah. So like, the, the, the Catherine Hepburn. So we have uh, Kristen F. Bigfoot Bjornsson. Oh, yeah. For example. <laughs> Bigfoot Bjornsson, is it? Yeah. <sighs> yeah. So, I mean, like, maybe just want to get sense of general impressions. Like, how was, how was, uh, how was it to read this, this thing? Uh, I think this was the first book I've read where I thought while I was reading it, I like this, but I don't know why this was written. <laughs> and I'm still a bit confused as to <laughs> yeah. the motivations behind the book. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, I actually really enjoyed it. And when I got into the language of it, like it, I just thought it was so funny and twisting mm. and turning and actually quite poetic in, yeah. at some points where I was really sur- taken aback or surprised. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I really enjoyed it, but I was still at the end left with the feeling like, well, that was... 
a week's reading, and now I'm <laughs> wondering what happened. I'm one week older, and uh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I would put it in an uh, entertainment reader mm. box, basically, and not much more, to be honest. Yeah, Freddie has <laughs> high, high. No, it's not that. No, no, no. I don't. I don't know. It's, it's. It just seems like either there's been something in the book which I have not really seen or there hasn't and i just yeah i just follow the flow of it <laughs> it was finished i have to admit i was hooked on it in a sense mm. i really wanted to finish and figure out what's going on mm. i never did no uh, you never mm, finished it or you never figured no, out what's I finished going on the book and, uh, i haven't i haven't really really like figured out what was really going on and not for the lack of trying i think as a part mm. of the premise of it that's yeah i mean i think this was the second time i read it and i think the first time i it was the i think coming off the the pension phase the <laughs> um <laughs> this is, just seems so light and fun in comparison to say something like gravity's rainbow or the crying of uh, lot 49 that um that that was my kind of takeaway reading it that first time and then this time i actually i noticed a few more serious moments mm. or mm. deep moments you yeah. could say i don't know what the appropriate yeah hippie yeah. terminology yeah. would be um groovy. but this groovy <laughs> moments yeah. but uh there are a few moments here and there where things sort of seem like they there's the, a sense of winding yeah, down I, in a way yeah, i'm not sure mm. we're thinking about the same moments because i as i was reading i i thought there were some of them but they were really minute and short and it's mm. almost like he was ashamed mm. of allowing himself this moment of weakness mm. and then just jumping back to this uh, really crazy uh, light-hearted yeah. narrative but those were the moments i actually liked the most uh, in the book but i kept thinking about something that you mentioned in your podcast about infinite jest mm -hmm. which i haven't read but mm -hmm. i enjoyed the podcast <laughs> now i feel like i've read it <laughs> um, which was that it was difficult to know in infinite jest what was important mm -hmm. and it's not the same difficulty here but at the same time there's like you're right that there are these things that are going on and then some things that are going on beneath the surface but mm. it, they seem to be covering up for each other and it's difficult to mm. know mm. what is the relevance mm. of the scene and what is the importance mm. of the scene and should I just be like taking it all in mm. or are there moments that are more significant than mm. others mm. yeah I think I think for me like I, I the way that I um look at this both this and, and the film version of it is they seem to be about the moment after the wave has crested, mm -hmm. and the, and the, 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 like, you, know, you can see the end of the party, or, or you what know, a nice other, surfing metaphor, other, other, <laughs> surf or, or other metaphors I can mix into this, it, and it's, and it's that point where you're thinking, I really sh this should really stop, but you don't allow yourself to have that thought. Can, so when you, mm -hmm. yeah. so when you see these moments, these like flat, like, as you say, like he's kind of ashamed to have let through mm. this serious reflection, because then you've got to go back to like the crazy hippie lifestyle and and, and do all those other things and be a private investigator in LA in the in the late 60s or early 70s or because I always get the I always wonder if they're saying the uh, 60s in a kind of metaphorical sense like uh, mm. the 60s that was the long 60s from like you know 67 through to 77 instead mm. um, yeah so I, I, I feel it's um, it's like denial is quite a big theme in this book mm -hmm. um, denial that uh, it has to end but I think there's there's a cresting. I absolutely see that. And then I think on the other hand, there's also like a, a kind of layering of mm. like realities over realities mm. so that there's maybe some kind of, mm. I don't know even if there is, there almost is no baseline here. And yeah. then you have just kind of layers of like what happens being on drugs or like mm. going through these different sorts of um Places and mm. yeah, particularly in the scene where he's in the uh, the, the the pancake place with uh, Bigfoot, and he's having this like he's 
there's a lot being unsaid between him and Bigfoot because he found out that Bigfoot might be involved with these uh, neo-Nazis. And um, so he keeps saying, like, this keeps saying things in speech, in, like, direct speech. And then immediately after he goes, did I say that? Mm-hmm. He gets very no. confused towards the end yeah. whether he's saying things or not. Or sneezing. Or that sneezing. Well, <laughs> he, yeah. he smokes loads of joints as well. Yeah. So it helps I him feel like it increased throughout yeah. the book. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, I, yeah there's like there's, there's two big um, things that come out of that. There's, there's dope as memory, which is uh, yeah. which makes him not remember things. And then there's also dope as ESP, which is basically, <laughs> I think, a, a nice way of justifying the paranoia that he's definitely suffering under the whole time. I feel like somehow to talk about this book, we need to like at least mention a few key characters and what oh, yeah. their relationship yes. to like the main character is. Yeah. If we can remember slash figure it out. Okay. So we've already talked about Doc and Shasta and Bigfoot, I think. Yes. Mm-hmm. But not really who they are. So Doc is a PI. And as a Danish speaker, I had to kind of look that oh, up. Oh, it's a private investigator. There we are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because that's not really, that shouldn't really be a thing. <laughs> <laughs> And then, and so Shasta is his ex-girlfriend, and uh, Bigfoot is a um, a detective who does not much care for Doc. It seems mm. so confused. Or hippies. Or hippies. Yeah, yeah. Well, they have yeah. a very strange relationship going on, which was one of the more mm. actually the the funnier parts of the book for me. Yeah. The relation they have, the hate and yeah. love. Well, there's a bit of resentment from uh, <laughs> yeah. from Bigfoot, isn't there? Like he wants he, or resentment. He has that. Uh, <laughs> He wants Doc's lifestyle, but he has to hate him because he can't have it. And it's yeah. and let's see who else is there. There's 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 Coy. Um, oh yes, yes. Coy Harlington, Harlington, who is a, a saxophonist who has um, faked his own death so he can work for a organization called Vigilant California, a bunch of reactionary conservatives who want to infiltrate the um, countercultural movements and anti-war movements and anti-racism movements. Ostensibly, yeah. Yeah, ostensibly. <laughs> yeah. And an ex, uh, ex-addict as well. Uh, oh, yeah, he's also an ex-addict, uh, yeah, yeah. Clean yeah. now. That's uh, true. Yeah. There's also his lawyer, Sancho. Sancho, Sancho a who's Marine hilarious. Lawyer. A Marine Maritime. lawyer. Yeah, a Maritime <laughs> lawyer who's, who has become Doc's who has that great personal li- lawyer. <laughs> who has that great line when uh, when he starts um, explaining to Bigfoot how he can uh, how he can help prosecute Doc. And, so, and Doc says, who are, you, who are you working for? And Sancho says, clients pay me for work, Doc. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It doesn't seem that's one thing. Mm. So if I was to like put like a perspective on this that's like how is this all possible mm. where is the money coming from doc is not getting paid for any of this yet. He's, <laughs> he's driving he's eating he's smoking joints yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, where i guess we're assuming that he's had some previous run it runs <laughs> of good luck with some cases yeah, yeah i mean yeah i guess so i mean otherwise yeah Calling in favors. Isn't it the hippie seventies though? Like, yeah, I mean, like you know, it's it's, it's like it's a, it's a quarter a for a breakfast from a. No, yeah, yeah. I, yeah it's, it's, well, that's the whole thing. That's also, true. I, he does mention a dish with avocado for seventy nine cents, and I think <laughs> no. that is not. <laughs> that is not California today. No, no. it is not. No. <laughs> yeah, but I guess we covered just yeah. yeah. So a, for an explanation, we covered maybe five um, characters, five yeah. percent characters yeah, in the book. You have to uh, underline them as you're going along, otherwise uh, you... I think uh, I think one um, character who is never actually in the novel but kind of haunts it is, Char- is Charles Manson. Yes. yes, very much so. Because his name uh, props up like every, every third page almost mm. or something related to him and it seems to be this... Maybe that was actually the, the top of the wave that, you know, before <clears> the, <throat> it came, started to come down, like mm. the... Mm. The loss of innocence of this of this hippie dream is um, the cult leader um, really mm. harshes everyone's mellow, you know. Mm-hmm. By I think murdering it, people. <laughs> that I think it, it it spoke really well to 
like um, a documentary I watched on Joan Didion mm. and also her like her writings on this era of the loss of innocence. And in a way, even though I don't know much about this mm. era and I don't know much about California at this time, except for what you know in like popular culture, mm. it made so much sense compared to what she was also writing. This kind of just disillusionment with the whole utopia mm. uh, of the 60s love. Yeah. And Charles Manson very much just being at the very sort of like behind everyone's like yeah initial yeah. thoughts and feelings just lying under the surface lurking under the surface yeah and and, and then you and it gets echoed again through like uh, another character like puck beaverton who's a, a neo-nazi with a with the swastika like tattooed mm. on his face much like then charles manson of course has his, his own like swastika mm. on his bridges nose i mean and then i think the the overreactionness of like that appeal to fascism as well like the uh so you have the hippies who are trying to you know deconstruct the entire like world order but at the same time you have you have an a equal but opposite move to try and restrict everything down to a kind of controlled social order again mm. it seems like it was fraught times that's all we can <laughs> <laughs> fraught times yes but chill mm. chill it's chill <laughs> so this book it was written in 2009 okay right and so yeah the motivation Amelia <laughs> where is about it coming before. from what, what is it coming in 2009 what yeah. Well, yeah or why write a book in 2009 about the late 60s yeah what happened in 2009 it's really also difficult because no one knows what thomas pynchon's context is because no one knows where he is <laughs> what he's um he's he's he's, he's famously uh kind of a recluse mm. so no one there's not there's not a recent picture of him. There's like a picture from his like Navy enrollment in like the 40s. And that's it. How intriguing. It's very intriguing. So he is lagging behind in time. Oh, he's, well, yeah, in, our, he's in, a in our image. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we don't know, but let's see what happened. You got, you got your Barack Obama coming in. That, do, that does seem like a time to be so somewhat Reflective. optimistic, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe we're trying to be too smart for our own good. I, I feel like my, maybe he was uh, sitting. If okay, if you're saying he's a recluse, he's sitting in a forest somewhere. <laughs> he's reminiscing about his youthful days. He's like, mm -hmm. I'm going to write a book about this, but it has to. It has to. You know, I can't just write a memoir. Who wants to hear that? Mm -hmm. I'm just going to write about Doc Sportello and all the dope mm -hmm. we smoked. I have no idea how old Tom, Thomas mm. Pynchon is, so I do not know this theory <laughs> <laughs> is credible. <laughs> I mean, uh, with a hindsight knowing that the movie was uh, based on this novel, I was having my own theory that he just wanted to sell the the rights, <laughs> uh, and that was a way to make an easy dollar. But I don't. I don't it doesn't seem like an easy dollar because you know, like, even though it's like pinch and light, it's yeah. still like the level of craft on display here. Is... Yeah, there is a yeah, but I think this is what we basically what perplexes us. There's a lot of craft in it, but it seems sort of light-hearted for the whole hard work put into it. Mm. In the end of the day, I'm not sure if this is your. It's take going on, on it. retirement. I think that's kind of though. I think that's sort of a feature of his stuff because even though like when it's when it's um, more intensely written, like more kind of uh, challenging in its prose, it still has this kind of levity in that it's a game mm. to him to a certain extent to mm. construct these sort of puzzles yeah. that don't actually have solutions but really look like they should. Mm. Um, and that's I, I think that's a it's a deeply frustrating skill in some ways, but also I think quite an important. I think even at that simple thing itself has quite an important thing to say that you know it doesn't really resolve it doesn't necessarily mm. come to a conclusion it's it just appears like it should have done and that 
or like it appears to you like it should have done, hmm. but that could just be the the, the old doper's ESP, you know. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you could kind of you could read this in like two ways. One, you could like put you could read this in a symbolic way. Like there's so many things we're mm. like this is like a symbol of something. We could definitely have this represent something mm. in society mm. and like a metaphor for something. Mm. The, they have a long chat about Lemuria, like the lost continent mm. off of California, this mm-hmm. utopian dream a bit like the Atlantis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you have, you know, oh, we can easily make a parallel between that and this hippie society, which had a utopia, but which is mm. not, which is no more. Mm. Um but you could also just see it as like subverting all of these readings, yeah. like because in some ways they're it's not mm. it's you could see them as one to one, but then when you're reading along, mm. there's just some things that just don't mm. that don't read in that way, mm. and so subvert that easy reading. Yeah, yeah. I kind of I the the one that I was I had because that uh, also that, that sounds exactly right, but mm. it was the one that I had was like I just thought that uh, okay, so Shasta Fay is basically the kind of this '60s hippie spirit thing, right? Mm. And Doc is chasing it. <laughs> <laughs> and he's he's had a taste and he he wants more but it actually the thing is it's more complicated than that you know she's a more complicated person that yeah. this dream itself is more complex and more fractured and more and more prone to self-destruct than that than than that and so and so it, it it's always a disappointment it's always not quite attainable and and that's that's what yeah that's my mm. my symbolic mm. level of it and um I like it. Also, the end when he's uh, driving through the fog, and the fog is clearly his his high, right? That's. Uh... I hadn't thought about that. <laughs> <laughs> Chasing, I like Sh- Sh- Shasta face the sixties being chased in her bikini bottoms. Yeah, she's always wearing bikini bottoms. Yeah. So I'm and like, they, how, um, how? Who goes around in those? What's well, it's, it's, it's California. Oh, it's California, you know, okay. in the, in the, the beach. S- yeah, <laughs> and she's wearing a uh, Country Joe and the Fish T-shirt. <laughs> Great. All the time. Mm. All the time. Well, I'm gonna stay with my uh, entertainment book uh, <laughs> reading. I think to uh, to go at length to explain a thing to yourself just because it like you're not really sure what it is. Uh, that's not my cup of tea. <laughs> like, there needs to be something in the book which would suggest as you read it that that you are invited to go that way okay. and if i don't find it then i'm very happy not to find mm. it and i don't try to <laughs> to be uh, too clever about it but because this is one of the ways mm. to read it as well just like mm. yeah, yeah. instead yeah. of watching a tv series or a movie you mm. can just read this which is not to say those readings are wrong or right or whatever. I it's just I, I, all I, it's more like my feeling as a reader of a book i was not compelled by it to actually even feel the need to seek something more. Uh, but I think I think there's this streak of pessimism running through it, which is what interested me, especially uh, reading in a second mm. time around. And I think that that relates in some way to the fact that nothing is able to come together at the end because yeah. there's not mm. some kind of motivating mm. uh, force that's bringing it all together, yeah. that's yeah. moving everything along. It's sort of these different uh, systems or different ways of mm. moving through the cityscape or mm. something like that, that you get mm. um, different sets of characters or these kinds of puzzles, but everything in the end is mm. just this fog. Mm. Yeah. And yeah. even when the fog lifts, you still, mm. you have all these other I'm, illusions. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think it is pessimistic on many levels. Uh, it is like a fun pessimism. <laughs> it results in many uh, funny situations, but of course, like it's not a book about happy people, like per se. They, their lives mm. they have, they very often 
not the best of lives really like i mean those type of lives you wouldn't really know how to characterize you mm-hmm. like you're a doper yeah you you're happy because you can smoke joints but yeah well not really you're missing somebody right then the bigfoot mm-hmm. he has his job but he's deeply frustrated all the time pretty much every other character mm-hmm. went through something really mm-hmm. harsh terrible i don't know but you get that kind of bridge as well in the uh, in it, the the character of uh, I guess the description would be like uh, Doc's fuck buddy uh, Penny from the <laughs> DA, uh, DA's office, who is basically that kind of you know she's she's that she's a kind of a hippie tourist in a certain way like she mm. she she's going in to sample this hippie lifestyle like with the evening spent with Doc with like dope and and, 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 and pizza, pizza. <laughs> P- dope pizza and, and like wild crazy free love and then uh, and then back and to the DA's TV office and, uh, <laughs> and like that's that it's not an avenue open to uh, to uh, the heteronormativity of of Bigfoot. Mm. No. <laughs> Do I think I like your reading of it, uh, Sherry? Also, because in a way, the thing I was thinking about the symbols, the possible symbols and metaphors, in a way, they work a bit like the plot of the book that they start off, but they never come together. Mm. That they're kind of they're, they might be there, but they're yeah. probably not. Mm. Yeah. Like also, like the, the the instigating mystery is pretty much resolved, but th- like two thirds into the book, mm-hmm. is it though? Like, I was like, confused. Like, like, <laughs> like, like, well, somewhat. Like you, you know, you you know what's happened to Mickey Wolfman, like, and you know there's nothing Doc can do about it. Yes. And like, so the the thing that started the plot off was Shasta saying, "Help, help me with Mickey," <laughs> and then you know he finds him in a in a casino in. But it, in isn't, Las Vegas. It, isn't the case that the as characters show up, they take over the kind of mystery? Yeah, so yeah. even the one is yeah. solved. You kind of keep mm. on chasing the other mystery, like instigated by another character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in this sense, you keep on reading, and now your your point mm. is somewhere else, and you hope mm. it will come back to that solution <laughs> and like resolve it more, and it doesn't, and you're like, because mm. like, actually, yeah, this gets back to like what you're saying is like this is an entertainment book because it it is it and it isn't because it's definitely aping all of these tropes of a kind of detective novel, yeah. mm. but it's mocking them whilst also doing them excellently. <laughs> yeah, that's but that's entertaining. So, yeah, which, yeah, is, which is, which is yeah. thrilling. And, it's, kind of, and it's, it's, it's a high wire act as no, he's no, no, you know, no. introducing all these characters which complicate the plot further and no. you know, it, it makes him question what's going on. And But still, you are... I love yeah. the moments of revelation in the book that mm. are not really revelation. Like when he suddenly connects two things, like... Oh, this building that I'm standing in front of is in the shape of a golden fang, which, which is the name of that boat that might be the heroin cartel. And you're like, yeah. ah, this is significant, but I've kind of forgotten what it was about the boat because, yeah. because you're so far in the story that it's like way behind you what the boat thing was. <laughs> and so all these things keep yeah. connecting, but you as a reader, at least me as yeah, a reader, yeah. I was like, I, I'm wondering if they will ever truly in the end. Yeah, yeah connect to uh, each other which makes it feel like yeah you have a conspiracy theorist like ranting a theory at yeah. you but it just <laughs> doesn't come together um yeah. i was just gonna say I, I, really, what I really like about the uh the golden fang as an organization <laughs> being comprised of both dentists and drug dealers and the drugs suck the calcium out of your teeth so you need to go to the dentist to get your teeth replaced having bought drugs from them it's wonderful like satire of capitalism there it's just, a, it's just great <laughs> yes sherry did you want to say something Oh, I just wanted to go back to Megan said something about like the tropes uh, and it yeah. like using these tropes. And that was something that, um, yeah, I, I'm really interested in is mm. the way that he's using all of these tropes and genre tropes mm. and kind of everything is so cliche yeah. mm. all of the time. Mm. Yeah. Like it, it happens exactly as it's supposed to happen, mm. Mm. which I think leads to this sense mm. that everything is kind mm. of 
like a yeah this funhouse mirror sort of <laughs> construction where everything's ready to fall over fall away and it's yeah mm. yeah and then apart from like things like uh i guess there's the whole thing like so we've got shast as the sort of femme fatale character and then you have um uh maybe later on the like trillium is like the uh the the sort of good girl that he maybe should go for in like, that should be the thing he pursues but she's of course only like she's a very sweet uh, music music teacher from UCLA but she only she's only interested in, in neo-nazis mm. <laughs> like in terms of like her it's own, a problem yeah it's a, <laughs> just that <laughs> but I think I agree with you and like I think in this in this sense like Doc as a character is so interesting because he's this doper yeah. he's a cliche of a doper but then at and but then the more he gets into <laughs> yeah. this mess of a crime mm. plot, the more he's told that he'll end up in bad shape, and mm. yet he never does. And mm. then at critical moments in time, he's like an amazing shooter yeah. that mm. just ha- like like you know he yeah, just he's yeah, actually yeah, kind yeah, of like yeah. he's just meandering yeah. along. But then in the at the critical <laughs> moments, he just like is the superhero yeah, that yeah. gets away from everything. Yeah. He How has, does that happen? He's lined his pockets with uh, with special <laughs> lock picking pieces of plastic, which he can <laughs> shimmy yeah. down it's like himself. MacGyver. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like he's a. I don't know. I just felt MacGyver, like. Yeah. <laughs> In a way, he was kind of, if you talk about tropes, he was kind of changing from one trope to the other, from one, like the, the trope of the hippie to the trope of like the sort of genius, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. autodidactic detective. Mm. Yeah. And that's the thing. I mean, nothing really sticks, yeah. I think. Or you could think of it, you're kind of from the first page when Shasta walks in, it seems like it could be this, there could be this romantic plot line or that that's what's going to bring it all together is he's going to find her, they'll get back together or something mm. like that with his uh, ex-old lady. Um, but but that doesn't happen. He just ends up driving off by himself at the end. So, and I think like a lot of these tropes, they seem to stick and then they just fall off or they seem not to actually work. Mm. Mm. Uh, I'm make- sad about Shasta. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know she's back by the beach. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I think it also speaks mm. to what you were just saying mm. about the cap- the sort of irony and satire mm. of capitalism in the book. Mm. The, 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 the very worst crime that someone in this book has committed to which he is held by the FB- FBI mm. and like hated by this drug cartel or whatever mm. is the fact that he has now decided this land developer, Mickey Wolf- mm. Wolfgang? Wolfman. Wolfman. Wolfman to... Build a plot of land in which no one has to pay for living there because he's <laughs> he's realized that he's 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 uh, how do you say it in English that he's just like rip people off by mm. having them pay rent and it was a terrible crime and now he will just develop this this yeah, plot of yeah, land yeah, where yeah, people yeah. will live for free yeah. and that's where everyone in the system yeah. is like that's and they just yeah. that's a terrible idea we should get him we should brainwash yeah, him yeah, yeah so yeah. he will be back to his capitalist waste yeah yeah, yeah. because like yeah as they, as they say that the feds had their own plans for his money exactly so mm. yeah it was. Yeah, that that is the unforgivable. The unforgivable crime is this leaving of of the capitalist system, which I think also then speaks to what really is like the 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 reason why this kind of hippie dream falls apart, or like you know the inherent vice of the hippie dream, which we learn towards the end is is the the quality of something that makes it destructible, um, and it is this kind of this finding yourself individualism. That was that that motivated it, like which made it a kind of a strange mirror of of the capitalist um, system. It was trying to uh, mm. trying to resist, but not even entirely, because it was also 
there's this kind of baked in libertarianism to it as well, which meant that there was this potential to also be the same. And so, yeah, that kind of vagary of like, we're just not going to do it like this, man, but we're going to do it in a more groovy way. <laughs> and then you realize, but you're still doing it, you know, <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't actually change. Um, yeah. So that's, yeah, I think it's once you factor in like this, there's this wonderful, you know, moment of being defined getting the title defined for you and then you can't start to read the book in that context it's like ah it's yeah the entire thing is is a is a is a fragile china pot being shaken over a pile of stones it's gonna always gonna fall apart no matter how beautiful it was that was the thing my one my one annoyance with this book was that inherent vice came up towards the end kind of tying the knot and i was like don't tie them with any knots i just want everything to like end off vaguely and unsatisfying but even like even like the way that it comes up towards the end it's like it's barely even discussed yeah i haven't yeah. noticed it i have to consult it with me kind of. oh, yeah, okay yeah, yeah. In, in the film, it gets like a, a quite nice scene where mm. it's um, more thoroughly yeah. elaborated. <laughs> no. Whereas here, it's just like <laughs> five lines. Kind of so casually really. mentioned in conversation. Like, is it like original sin? Doc wondered. It's what you can't avoid, Sancho said. Stuff marine policies don't like to cover usually applies to cargo, like eggs break. Yeah, I had to read a review before I understood what it actually meant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so in that sense. <laughs> it's a very small knot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I had a feeling maybe he wrote, wrote the whole thing and then maybe called it that later. That's, yeah. That was my redeeming thought. Yeah, I mean, I'm, yeah, and that would be... But it's a, I think it's a, it's a beautiful sentence. Yeah. <laughs> like, or the sentence phrase. So what do you think about like the representation of violence in this book? Um, Sherry? Yeah, uh, well, that was something I was thinking about violence and humor together, actually. So I was thinking about the violence towards the end. It struck me because there's a lot of... Um, Doc is a private investigator. There are a lot of crimes involved. There are neo-Nazis <laughs> or Nazis that are all throughout the book. There are murders that happen. But mm -hmm. all of that is described sort of off scene where yeah. you get a description afterwards mm -hmm. of a body that mm -hmm. happens to have some like two fang marks or something <laughs> like that. But that's all the detail you yeah, get yeah. of, say, the murders that have been committed or Charles mm -hmm. um, Manson's name is referenced continually, yeah. but not with any explicit mm -hmm reference to anything that he did. It's just yeah, yeah, the name yeah, is just yeah, yeah. thrown around. Um, and I first noticed this when towards the end, there's this scene where um, Doc ends up in handcuffs mm. and then ends up, um, it's a fairly graphic scene where he ends up shooting yeah. at two people and then <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. not caring that there's an air bubble in a syringe filled with heroin that he, you know, puts into someone's neck. Mm. And then, so it's just, it's, it just struck me because I was like, okay, this is, yeah. this is so much fun. And then all of a sudden there's this scene, but it made me think about how up until that point. Yeah. It really, it really is like, I think it actually is meant to throw you at that as well, because it really is that thing of like, you just hear that Dr. Blatnoid has jumped off a trampoline. You know, you, you, you hear about Charles Manson, but like it's a matter. And then it is very real at that moment. Mm. And it makes you realize how you've been kind of laughing at the hilarious deaths mm. previously or. And yeah. also that Doc has somehow been avoiding a lot of this violence up until the very mm. last moment. Mm. That he's kind of, you know, you kind of hear it from Doc's point of view because he hasn't seen a lot of the violence either mm -hmm. and suddenly he's like in the midst of it or like perpetrating it mm. yeah yeah and and that's what i meant about suddenly him turning from the doper to like the rambo like where did that come from what did he do in his previous life that made him uh, able to get out of handcuffs and beat a very very strong big neo-nazi to death well maybe with heroin that's what just private investigations <laughs> yeah. investigators well, I mean, you know like do, no? 
like this whole thing, like this situation he finds himself in, is kind of a it's a setup from from Big, from Bigfoot, <laughs> and you know it gets retroactively uh, justified when he just says, "I've seen you on the range. I know you can mm. handle it when you needed it to." <laughs> it's just um, like like it's wonderfully uh, lazy um, justification <laughs> for why that's possible. <laughs> like retroactively at the end of the scene, like oh well, he, he could always shoot. We never knew yeah. until now. Mm. Though he did ask at some point, did I did I shoot you or did I get you? Yeah, 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 Doesn't yeah. he say that yeah. to the guy he shot? <laughs> what is it? Did I, did I get you? Uh, Isn't did, he calling an ambulance though? Yeah, he's calling an ambulance, but he's also yeah. like, is it fatal? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good soul. But see, I think there's some connection with the violence and the humor because yeah. the humor is a kind of deflection or a way that the violence is denied, I think yeah, yeah, at yeah, least yeah. through yeah. most of the book. Um, well, so, certainly, yeah. Like, like you know, Dr. Blatnoid dies in a trampolining accident ostensibly but then there's also the fang marks which is just so mm. so kind of like a cliche um detective story kind of yeah yeah so it's you know it's a way that this that the say significance or yeah. meaning behind that could be attached to some kind of violent act is diffused mm-hmm. um even the way that say the nazis are portrayed is in like yeah. these characters well, actually, yeah, the Nazis, it's quite fun because it's its quite fun with the Nazis. Uh, I feel like you're proving Sherry's point here. Yeah. Well, I mean, Such hilarious things. It, uh, well, because it's, uh, so it's, it's Puck Beaverton and his friend who are in Vegas. And they, Ina. They, Ina. Of all Ina, people. Ina. And they have a, they have a, a real uh, passion for show tunes mm. and musical <laughs> theatre. Mm. Which I guess we're kind of meant to read a sort of like homoerotic undertones to this whole like Aryan Brotherhood kind of thing. Um, I guess that yeah, it is. Then I guess mocking them, but is it like so? so what when you say the humor of it, it's also it's our culpability in the reproduction of that violence, or like the engage with the enjoyment of it, or yeah, exactly. And I think this is going back to the the streak of pessimism mm. in here yeah. is that. Um, like the humor becomes a means of deflecting yeah. the seriousness that might yeah. um, come no, that, about or something like that. That seems certainly to be the case, I think. Um, but do you think it has like, do you think it has any like larger point or is it just like, um, how do you like a, a realscape? What is that? A tool like of writing? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's a kind of narrative equivalent potentially of what's happening within the novel with the drugs. Mm. Okay. So, like, what the reader gets, the reader doesn't isn't like. I mean, unless you were smoking a joint alongside reading this, which mm. you we know. should all have done. <laughs> yeah. it's, just, yeah. it's, 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 it's like three hundred and sixty pages. Maybe you know, you got you got to change your like budget for the month. <laughs> <laughs> but the I think the humor is a kind of haze that could be put over the. Yes. It could be understood yeah. in that way. Mm. Yeah. yeah, over what's the events that are being narrated. Mm. But I think also the humor kind of uh, t- uh, works into or talks to kind of the love-hate relationship between a lot of these characters, like Doc and Bigfoot, whose relationship I never get to fully understand. This cop mm. and this PI who apparently hate each other and, and Bigfoot has run Doc in at several times. But then in the end, they develop this sort of brotherhood, like this mm-hmm. understanding or, or even mm. though they're still at odds with each other. And I feel like it's very much like that that kind of humor where you never quite know if people are against or with each other. Hmm. Like I have this, the, the one where he shoots Adrian <laughs> and he says, that you, Adrian? And Adrian says, I'm fucking lunch meat. Did I get you? Said Doc. You got me. Fatal, I hope. Feels like it. How can I know for sure? 
maybe it'll be in the news at 11, asshole. And I'm like, who has this conversation <laughs> when someone has shot them and they're dying? Like, who? <laughs> yeah, but in yeah. the context of a book, it makes perfect yeah, sense. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's the kind of dialogue you get here. But it, yeah, I agree with you. It's, it's, a lot of humor well, comes I'm, from... That's, that's not, you know, Adrian is a, is a hitman, you know? He's lived by the sword. He's going <laughs> to die by the sword. He gets it. He gets the rules of the game. <laughs> I think he's upset it's by Doc, though. Yeah, I mean, who wouldn't be? <laughs> I mean, also, like, I mean, you say there's this brotherhood with, uh, with Bigfoot, but, you know, he's, he sets him up at the end to take the fall for stealing heroin from the mob. But there's, like, they have all these, like, really, like tender moments together yeah that's i think that's, that's mm. the game that he's playing on doc which yeah. is the sad and tragic thing of it as well they're not even they can't really communicate in there i just i feel like we were kind of plunked into the middle of a lot of these relationships yeah. without any so the relationship between bigfoot and doc which mm. is hilarious mm. and sad at the same time yeah. is there's also this relationship mm. that as a reader you don't really understand because it mentions a few times that they ran into each other in the past, but there's no explanation mm. of how they got to where they are, mm. where they're meeting in bars and having burgers or pancakes yeah. or whatever, yeah. and hating and loving and yeah. mm. and bonding and setting each other up and and similarly, yeah. And then I guess actually that that is actually a good point about all the relationships in this because we have you have that relationship which is like this ongoing already established thing between these characters if it's like a long running TV soap you've just yeah. tuned into and but, but then also like you have things like you know the, the, it's, the, it's the relationship between Shasta and and Doc that gets the whole story going but that relationship's already over from the beginning mm-hmm. and and so this is all like not to put too big a point, but it's like a kind of a post-apocalyptic kind of thing. Like, like he's already pissed off about this. He's not really that happy about the situation he's in now. But so it's like he's he's this entire relationship is like a post-breakup novel in some way. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! After the crest, exactly. after the yeah, yeah, yeah. By I would the love finishing. to reread it in that sense as like yeah. a post-breakup novel. Yeah, I mean, like, and actually, that might be it. It's like that kind of stoned, <laughs> disoriented haze is kind of like a post. <laughs> Yeah. It's post breakup such situation. Yeah. So he projects his own hopes to fix his relationship on Koi and yeah. his uh, yeah Koi and his uh, wife. Uh, and, uh, Did any of you ever, little... at some point in the novel, think like shit? Uh, Doc has been hallucinating this whole thing the whole time. But mm. it's it's not from his perspective. That's true. But there's a point where he's like, I can't remember which, but there's a point where he like wakes up and kind of wakes up from something. And you, oh, it's when it's when Mickey and Shasta get back. Mm. from perhaps being detained probably being detained by mm. the FBI and they're like oh nothing's happened and mm. you and I started thinking like mm, I wonder if Doc has just been dreaming all yeah. of this or like it's like an acid trip all of it yeah yeah I, I, I didn't worry about that because I just it, it, it's not it's not the trick that Thomas Pynchon's gonna play didn't know Thomas Pynchon that <laughs> well it, just be, it's not like he's beyond like but he would have done that six times in the opening if he was going to do that it would it would it'd be a feature but i mean i think in some way it is playing on its like there's a i think in at least its references to all of these different Mm. tropes or genres it's calling attention to itself as a book or as a fiction or a novel yeah Um, oh definitely yeah i mean mm. Which isn't too far away from it all being <laughs> hallucinations. <laughs> all hoax. Yeah, that, isn't there some research about like what reading a book is like and what dreaming is like? And it's not that far apart, really. Or maybe that's not true. Explains why I read so many. <laughs> um, so, uh, is it possible to do a feminist reading of this novel? 
Probably. <laughs> it's always possible. I was just thinking when I read it, you know, about、mm. all these female characters.、Mm. There's and they're all these kind of bombshell female characters.、Mm. Most of them.、Uh, there's lots of sex.、Mm. They are very sexy in their own sort of odd、mm. ways. And I found myself having a very very hard time relating to any of these female characters.、Mm. Like I was like, I don't know. I don't understand this character. I don't understand this character,、mm. and neither this one. And I was kind of seeing them through like a male gaze, like Doc's、mm. lens mostly. Yeah. Definitely,、and、yeah. Without it being like a problematic, but it was interesting to feel like I connected with Doc. I think his one humanizing feature was his like deep love of Shasta Faye, which was like the one、mm. ongoing thing throughout the book. Yeah, and which made him like a relatable character. Yeah, but all the females going in and out, I didn't really understand their motivations or who they really were. But males were pretty tough to relate to as well. It's a pretty global. <laughs> yeah. Kind of feature of the book. Apart、like, from Koi, yeah, Koi, Koi would be the one, the odd one out, and Koi's wife, I guess. And as you say, Doc. But I, I, I think we also thought about it as well. That it's very hard to kind of grasp the characters there.、Mm. They are more like sketches, or more like、mm. cliche type of type of a, of a thing, rather than a real person somewhere there.、Uh, but yeah, in, in in terms of female characters, it's probably even more visible in in a sense because they all kind of seem to. Fit into the same cliche image. Yeah, she's also part of like I don't know maybe this this idea of ours we have like a demi world of petty criminals and stuff surrounded by like women. I don't know maybe this is、mm. some way to explain this. Yeah, or like a romanticized image of the sixties. Yeah.、Um. Yeah, certainly that for sure. I mean, it's like I mean, it's like the only romantic thing of the sixties left is all these hot women. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think. Well, I mean, like the, it's a particular kind of attractive he's describing as well, though, because it's always like he describes the women as Californian. Yeah,、mm-hmm. but when he does it, that's as a kind of that's, insult. That's an insult. It's sort of an insult, but it also it's like it's an insult because of like his own sort of desire towards them. I think that's true. But I feel like when he's describing women as Californian, it's like the suburban housewife kind、mm-hmm. of Californian. Yeah, there's that. There's those, there's those women. There's also like, but there's also like the bikini kind of clad on like the.、Mm. Like, there is like, like the hippie Californian as well.、Mm-hmm. Like.、Um, California. I've said it so many times. It's like a type of There's、horse. a Jade and Bianca. Jade and, <laughs> and、uh, oh, Bambi. 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 For example. Bambi with yeah with the with the pussy to special at the, uh, <laughs> the at, at, at Chick Planet. Chick Planet. <laughs> I guess I just yeah, yeah I don't know about you Sherry but I guess I just had a really hard time like reading any of these female characters especially. Yeah, I mean, I think at the I mean. In a very simplistic way, there's no ugly female character, no, <laughs> or like any female character that's not. I, I think you just got this bombshells. I think they all have sex. There's sort of sort of Sotilish or whatever her name is. Sotilish. Sotilish. Like she's、yeah. not overly sexualized. She's kind of a mystic, but it's. Is she the only black woman in this? Maybe. I think so. I think she might be, which is an, yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't. I'm not like I don't because I don't、mm. think there's any reason to read a lot into this.、Mm. But I just it made、mm. me think. You know, I, I'm I'm relating to a few of these characters. I agree with、mm. Frannick actually that a lot of the characters、mm. are these difficult to relate to types, except、mm. Koi, who's、mm. you his his journey you can kind of relate to. But yeah, the females especially,、mm. I was like because I, I felt like perhaps、yeah. I needed to especially、yeah. relate to them. Yeah, but also I think it's it's kind of it's. It's so aware that it's doing that as well, though,、yeah. because like、mm-hmm. right down to like、uh, Mickey Wolfman having a collection of ties. Oh my with goodness! Yeah, I want to talk about the women. Let's talk about the ties. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, so, so, so Mickey Wolfman has a a tie closet filled with custom-made ties with like these kind of、um, embroidered pictures of his lovers. Very high detail. Very high、mm. detail. Like like 
graphically high detail. Like HD on a tie. HD on a tie, HD embroidery. It's um, not embroidery, it's hand-painted. Oh, it's hand-painted, sorry, hand-painted. Which um, I, I, I had, you know, I was like, how do you hand-paint a tie? I'm, <laughs> I want to know the details of this. So that is basically like, he's, he's sticking like his, his, um, his, his like sexual conquests onto this male business symbol. Yeah. Like he's conquest he's making these conquests because he's a wealthy, powerful man. And all of the women are yeah. in hit this closet, mm. right? On on ties all in yeah. like you know, and whatever very positions. Compromising positions. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It seems, <laughs> but a variety is mostly a yeah. variety of compromising positions. But then the, and they're also the women are at least the woman working in the house mm. is very proud of her tie, right? When yeah. she like mm. talks about it. And I she's very upset her. that she never gets to have sex with Mickey Wolfman on the bed. Yeah. She's like, mm. you know, that's you know, that's loss of status to her. Mm-hmm. And in so mm. in one way the women are these bombshells who are having sex with different characters, mm. but at the same time, they're also very powerful. Like Shasta is the one who instigates this whole plot mm. because a doc is so in love with her. And these females in general are very much like deciding who to have sex with and how to have sex. And, you know, they, they seem to be move mm. in and out of the plot out of their own accord. So I feel like they're very empowered, but it was just like also very flat characters at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There was a, I'm, I wish I had this. Uh, th- this is this is like totally germane to this because the way that he's playing with this um, this kind of objectification level of mm. things, I, I think it's totally deliberate because there was a comment somewhere in this where he's talking about like wanting to be able to desire to desire again, and that's like mm-hmm. very much like a like Lacanian thing of like in Lacanian psychoanalysis, you know, uh, met men have sexual desire women are like objects of desire they desire to be desired and that's like the whole dynamic and at one point doc experiences that as well and i think that this is definitely what you're seeing with um like the way that the way that again the, the, the hippie dream was like the sexual liberation but it was you know it was for sexual liberation for men mostly yeah. it was like mm-hmm. it wasn't about like other sexuality at all and that was it was just basically this kind of conquesting thing being now opened up to a wider audience and that yeah um yeah and then it, you end with the the happy family getting back together that's kind of the dream towards the end of the novel of koi yeah. and hope and amethyst yeah um her name being hope seems not in- insignificant <laughs> but you end up having this like heteronormative family uh yeah yeah getting back to i mean they might all be or the parents might be uh, heroin addicts but mm. you know it's still like that mm. they the, were they were heroin addicts. they were <laughs> yeah that's but, the, yeah. yeah they've yeah. they've but then it's like, yeah, this reformed. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, true. And Doc keeps uh, wishing for Shasta, and his parents keep saying, "Oh, Shasta was such a lovely girl. You should yeah. get back together mm-hmm. with her." <laughs> his parents. His parents. His parents till they arrive. Who raised Doc is what you want to know. And yeah. then these people arrive, and you're like, yeah. "Who are these people?" It kind of problematizes the whole like lone wolf detective character, doesn't it? Like, yeah. <laughs> he's got parents who want their son to help him score weed, <laughs> yeah. but also they're like insanely smart. Yeah, 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 and also like you know supportive. Like it's really the whole like myth of like the sixties is like the, the generation gap between parents mm. and kid. But like this is like you know one hand to the next. It's uh, yeah. Everything lives up to expectation, and nothing lives up to expectation. That's what I feel about this book. Yeah, and I think that's that's maybe a good place to <laughs> to draw this to a close. I mean, 
Yeah. I think we could do a round now where I'm going to ask if you'd recommend this book. Um, so I'll start with uh, Franek. Would you, would you recommend this book? What a person to start with. Uh, I don't know. Depends on the, on, the, on the circumstances. If you have other books you really want to read, read them first. If you have, no, <laughs> you have nothing to read, <laughs> despite all the, all the really inspiring things you seem to have discovered in this one. Uh, yeah, no, I don't know. Like, yeah, if if you go on holidays and you need something to read, yeah, sure, go ahead. But I'm not convinced, and it happens to me rarely. I think I I recommended every single book on this bookcase so far. Oh, no, you didn't recommend The Fountainhead. I think I did. <laughs> oh wow! I might have to fact check it. I, but I, why, I understand why you that puts me in a shady position. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, if I would, that that would be yeah, with with some reservations, I guess. So you, it's it's a good read. It's a good read, definitely. But yeah, it's it's just yeah. that to me. Okay. Yeah. I feel like Franning is like such a. I mean, to me, it was quite a difficult read. Sometimes I had to go back. Mm. Quite yeah. a few paragraphs to understand what was happening. Mm. Franning's just breezing through it. That, that, yeah, it happened <laughs> yeah. to me. It happened to me like a, on, on occasion. Like it's, but then like also just being used. Like the only other thing I read by him was kind of lot of lot forty nine, and mm. this was a relief compared ah, to that. In that sense. So, mm. but yeah, there was still like a few where I had to go back. But anyway, Amelia, would you recommend this book? <laughs> what do I recommend for certain people? Um, for people who I think would enjoy this kind of vibe and this kind of atmosphere and reading about the 60s, mm. I did recommend it to my boyfriend when I started reading it, who doesn't read any novels. <laughs> and I was like, maybe this would be something for you because you could read it like deeply or you could just read it at surface level. Mm. And he read about three pages and he just put it down. He's like, this is so badly written. <laughs> and, I said, <laughs> and I said to him, it's many things, but it's not badly written. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And so now I'm hesitant about who to recommend it. <laughs> well, that's just a mistake. This is a, that's just, <laughs> yeah. So this is, this is m- me, me uh, putting my boyfriend on public display about his terrible <laughs> lack of understanding of literature. <laughs> I'm going to leave that there. <laughs> uh, Sherry, how about, how about you? Yeah, I think I'll echo the other two. Mm. Um, yeah, I think, I don't know. It feels to me somehow like to echo echo the California dialect, like somewhat dated, question mark. <laughs> dated? dated? Oh, question well, mark. We didn't get to talk about that. The question marks. There, there, but, there are, that's a thing. Yeah, there, there, there were questions of, that were not questions, There right? are a lot of statements yes. that end in question marks, Thanks which, you know, I think it's an attempt mention. to... To um, you know get at is? the California. Yeah, I, I guess I, I the, like the California way of speaking. Speaking. Yeah, I, I didn't even notice that, and then like now, like because there, there was one time where I was like, it's not a question. <laughs> also, he like he like uh, always writes the word says as s e said. Yeah, yeah. The one word that isn't spelled correctly. Uh, Don't bad, know why that's bad, important. Badly written. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but groovy. But groovy. <laughs> but groovy. Yeah, I mean, that's, I don't know. It feels dated not because it's about the 60s, but I think I, you can almost feel the difference, I think, between 2009 and now somehow. I don't know. Really? Maybe this is too much to get into right now. No, 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 so no, I, no, no, no. We, we still have time. What, 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 would that, what would that be? I'd, I'd be fascinated to find out. <sighs> Maybe it's something to do with the whole, like, postmodernism thing. Yeah. I think maybe that's that's cresting a little bit at the point when this is written. I feel like that crested like 10 years before this even. 
And like he can't leave it behind. He's Thomas Pynchon. What's he doing? No, but there's some sort of like heyday still happening. I think okay. in the 2000s, right? Like when was Infinite Just written? 1994. No, oh no, mm-hmm. never mind. What okay, about you have to Underworld? Cut that up. Is that Ni- what that's also in the 2000s? 1999, 2000. Yeah, but Delilah has some other like Cosmopolis is 2000s, yeah. right? Yeah, and that's it's like Delilah continues. Yeah, Delilah persists. Yeah, <laughs> but I don't know. There's something I don't. Yeah. Yeah, um, maybe that has that speaks to why none of us were really spoken to. Yeah, and that's the this. thing. Yeah. yeah, and I think when I read this, like, yeah, not too many years after it was written, it it seemed very mm. uh, relevant, or I guess, or that's like, interesting. Um, it stuck to me more than yeah. it did this time around. Yeah. But I would still absolutely recommend it if you like Pynchon or mm. want to get into reading Pynchon because I think it's it is a, an easier way in. It's then. a good way in, I think. <laughs> it's a good yeah, way sure. in. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's absolutely an entertaining and, uh, as Amelia said, well-written book. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, <laughs> boyfriend. Yeah, I think, I think um, I'm going to differ slightly uh, only because um, if you've gotten this far in the conversation, you're going to kind of know whether or not it should be recommended to you. Um, so I'm going to say it down like, it's. I recommend this book. It is. It's a strange. It's. It's. A, it's a light take on quite heavy stuff. I have this pet theory about libidinal economy by Jean Francois Lyotard from the seventies, and this book, which I'm going to make into something else soon. Um, and I think it's just. You know, I, I think relevance is a really hard thing to talk about with this because this is like, a, this is like literature, and, and it's always kind of irrelevant. Um, so I'm, I don't know, I, I I just enjoyed it very much. And it was really nice to see a craft happening. Um, it's weird when I'm last and I, then I go into uh, talk about next month where <laughs> the, the, the team will be back in, in, in action again. Um, so Gio and uh, Sarah will return from their various corners of the world and we'll be joined by uh, Neas Casanova Vico and we'll be talking about Torpa by Chris Krause. But for now, uh, thanks guys and thanks for listening. Mm-hmm. Thank, you. Thank you. Thank you. And cheers. <laughs>